quite amazing. Ask not what your voice can do for you. You are loco, man. I want to know what love is. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Host Boys. We were just discussing a few different things, including some a couple of great Latin comedians, including Pablo Francisco. Very good. Gabriel Iglesias. That'll be released on the bonus tapes that come out later in our careers <laughs> when you guys actually care about things that we say. But who knows? That might happen. It may not. Or maybe the Host Boys World Tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll release those on Tiny. It'll be us covering famous Latino comedian stand-up bits. <laughs> and releasing all this material that you've been missing on cassette. So we give 50 cassettes. One person finds a cassette player. One person listens. Still keeps it underground. But help people feel connected to us as media presenters. Of course. Intentionally, we've toggled the rewind and the fast-forward buttons a lot on these tapes as yeah, well. Yeah. So they have a pretty short lifespan intentionally. Yeah. It's more of like a Mission Impossible. This will self-destruct sort of thing. But we're just trying to we're trying to help you guys feel like you're part of Haas Boys. You know. Super exclusive though. Yeah, we're the Haas boys, but you guys can be Haas boys. Welcome to the podcast. I got Max on my right. Hi, hey, Max. Hello. And I got Mike on my left. Hey, Mike, how you guys doing? Hanging loose. Fantastic. That's good. Lots of news has happened between our last podcast and today. My heavens, all of it, not quite positive. Obviously, there's some pretty tragic things happening in Ukraine. Yeah, and it's directly affected our favorite team. It certainly has, yeah. And a very tricky situation for everyone to navigate at the moment, but obviously our hearts and our feelings and everything positive, prayers, vibes to the people of Ukraine and such a, uh, an unprecedented event. But we hope that everything will pull through in, in a peaceful and positive way from here. Yeah, really quite a shocking moment. Um, it's been very unsettling to see a lot of images and things coming out of Ukraine. So yeah, I just want to echo Mike and Parker's sentiment, just a lot of thoughts and prayers and figuring out how I can do what I can do to help. But yeah, it has really kind of directly affected our team and it hasn't affected anyone else's team on the grid. It really hasn't because who has such a tight connection to Russia? Obviously mm -hmm. the first effect that we're seeing is seeing the Haas car running in Barcelona with no Russian colors and no Eurocali. Yeah, something I felt pretty impressed with was how swiftly the team made the decision to immediately distance themselves from the situation. I think that they deserve a lot of praise for very quickly making that decision, pulling the colors off of the car, running a very blank canvas, which in some ways is also very vulnerable and exposes a lot of what the car is in its detailed lines and some other things to the other teams yeah. um, but that didn't matter and I really appreciate how Haas approached that I felt the team made the right decision and it wasn't just the car it was their haulers it was everything they really debranded everything and you say it's a hard decision to make right why how much money are they losing and do they lose money with a sponsorship that is the title sponsor of the car it is substantial funding and without knowing figures the sum could be hundred million dollar contract yeah that's a hard decision but amazing choice yeah i think it comes with a strong moral compass for sure and really shows that to the whole paddock as well as all the f1 fans so i think that that was uh, a really classy move 
Absolutely. Max sent Mike and I some really crazy footage of the Haas engineers, assumedly, uh, pulling off all the Eurocali logos and all the branding off of their mobile office, which was so moving to see people quickly and decisively reacting to something that is subjectively wrong. That really was quite moving to me to mm. see like, yeah, they're losing money for this. I, and I'm sure you guys have all the faith in Haas that they'll not only survive, but make it great. Mm -hmm. It is like throwing themselves into the void by ripping all that down and ending that contract within maybe 30 hours, not even two days of everything happening. They basically cut ties immediately and moved forward. We're not quite sure exactly what that cutting of ties looks like. We haven't heard press from Haas at this point. But incredible to see them making a statement right there by tearing all that branding off. And as we saw, putting a pure white Haas car out on the track. I mean, it was quicker than a lot of the sanctions that have come out of nations in response. By quite a bit. By quite a bit. By, I felt, uh, you know, they were running the livery on day two and the news broke of what russia had decided to do and on the evening of day two strip the car and the haulers of all of the colors to make sure that there was no association there yeah it was very very swift and again i, th I think that that just spoke volumes as to where the integrity of the team was and how they felt about what was happening and again a scary move but you know one that's i think well respected and received among a lot of people two questions one what is hauler um, so a, a hauler would be a like a semi truck. So their mobile office is the things that they drive to the track with. Okay, I was thinking like colors. I'm like, you can just say colors. Yeah, sorry. Hauler. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, that, very impressive. And two, like, there's really only two people that have kind of made a bold statement from F1 was Spashin Vettel saying he won't race in Russia, and then Haas being the other one with their physical statements of like we're getting rid of this sponsor. Verstappen did also say that he would not go ahead with a race in Russia. I will give him the credit that the current reigning champion did say that he would not run a race in Russia. What did Lewis say? He actually didn't say anything. Oh, he surprised. I thought he stood as one. Still I rise. <laughs> well, the other, the other topic here in the elephant in the room at the moment is where things stand with Nikita. Uh, that puts a lot of things up in the air with Nikita Mazepin. Probably for those that are listening, it may not be news, but he had a bit of a foible in an early interview, essentially equivocating on where he stands as far as the conflict goes. Obviously, my knee jerk as a lover of justice and a hater of tyranny is that that's a cowardly move. Jeremy Clarkson had so much to say on Twitter about the subject, and I have to say that I do feel in a certain way similar to Jeremy Clarkson. However, there's a couple of factors. One, he is a child. How old is that guy? Yeah, he's young. He's probably 20, 21. 22. He's 22. The other factor is that he's a Russian national. He has gotten to where he's at, not without the help of, of financing of and financing through his father, who is a big Russian oligarch, which means in Russia that he is a part of the governance of Russia. It's a lot easier for somebody like Jeremy Clarkson or somebody like us to make a quick decision and statement about something that we feel as far as it concerns Russian politics than it is for him. Is it wrong to not call out tyranny where you see it? Yeah, it is. But does he have a different set of circumstances than you or I or Jeremy Clarkson do? Yeah, he definitely does. Yeah, I think it puts him in a pretty sticky situation. And again, as American citizens, as you know, citizens of the UK, I mean, it's important to remember that Formula One is a global sport. Yeah. 
it takes place on a very global stage and is also very well represented throughout the nations of the world. And that being said, there would be Russian influence in the sport. This is yeah. something that Daniel Kvyat, who raced for Red Bull, was also of Russian descent. And that's part of why we love F1. We love that it brings people from around the world, different personalities, different backgrounds. It's, it's such a culturally diverse sport. Yeah. But that also comes with the caveats of some countries aren't as free as the free world. A lot of the countries that F1 races in are not as free. Every season are... <laughs> are not nearly as free yeah. as the free world. And so where Mazepin is really between a rock and a hard spot on this one, not to justify his statements, not to justify where he's at, but to maybe have a slightly understanding tone. I don't come from Russia. I don't know what I would be at 22 on a microphone with the leader of a evil charge. <laughs> Breathing down my neck right. and knowing who I am. It's a pretty bad spot. Yeah, knowing that your dad is on the phone with this guy. And he's maybe watching this actual interview to hear what you say. Right, and he's not just speaking for F1 or himself. He unfortunately is, because of the state that Russia is in, because of the leader that Putin is, he is kind of speaking for his father as well and his family. And to take a little more careful stance, while it's not right, I can definitely understand. I think the next part of that, though, and something that is clearly on the table, is that because of the nature of the situation, and this isn't to necessarily do with political stance or anything like that, but Nikita Mazepin being Russian, being a athlete from Russia, he's subject to what different laws and controls exist around being a country at war. Right. Visas, passports, banking, a lot of the things that have been put into place with these sanctions and, and, and so on may restrict Nikita from participating in this season. Pretty safe to say we've got an open seat at Haas. It's safe to assume at this point that it's likely for sure. So who's up? So we got Pietro Fittipaldi in reserve. Do we think that Pietro is going to be driving? We also have Nico Hulkenberg, who is an available driver. And we know that is somebody that Gunter is interested in. I mean, I had friends text me over the weekend knowing about the podcast. They listened to it and they were like, oh, you guys could have Nico. <laughs> and what are your thoughts on Nico? And that's exciting. It is Nico Holdenberg is the man. He's great. I think there's so many people in the sport who have wished that he had a stronger showing in his career. It would be great to have him back. Yeah. Likewise, Antonio Giovinazzi is a Ferrari reserve driver without a seat. And so there's an opportunity potentially for him to sidestep within the sport, having left Alfa Romeo Sauber from last season, mm -hmm. to potentially go and race for Haas. That's really interesting. Um, just to give, there is kind of a slightly parallel situation that happened last season with Hamilton getting COVID. And to me, that was quite an interesting move that a driver from a completely different team, although it is kind of a feeder team, would step over into the other paddock and race for Mercedes. So what's that relationship with Giovinazzi being a reserve driver for a totally different team? What's that relationship like? What would that look like? Is it basically just a decision for Giovinazzi to make to basically just walk over and say, hey, I want to, you know, if he was invited by Gunter and Jean to, to race or what's the dynamic there between the teams? There's definitely the interest that Ferrari's putting into Haas at the moment with Mick Schumacher. So Ferrari has placed Mick into Haas on a deal with his contract. Mm -hmm. So Mick is a Ferrari driver and actually currently a Ferrari reserve driver. Gotcha. So he is Team Ferrari. No 
and he just drives for Haas. Oh, no kidding. That's and, weird. And so similar situation with George. But the interesting part with George, just to talk about that, Stoffel Van Dorn was the reserve driver at Mercedes when Lewis came down with COVID and didn't have a seat. Mm. So Mercedes opted to run an F1 driver who currently raced in the sport. So Stoffel Van Dorn raced for McLaren and now races Formula E for Mercedes and is the was the reserve driver in 2024. So George Russell was not first up. No. Interesting. So the team elected to use George Russell, give him the opportunity. And they're like, let's just remove a couple of inches off of your tibia and fibula and just <laughs> yeah. make your legs a little shorter so you can they fit in this him, tiny car. They made him wear a size smaller shoe. Oh my gosh. What did if I you hear? didn't know that, he barely fit into Lewis's car. Wow. He had to wear a size smaller shoe and the, the showing that he had. And that he barely lost. And honestly, if we want to talk conspiracies, I have my theories. Just a brief one. Yeah. What does Mercedes have to gain or to lose from George Russell winning that race? What does Valtteri Bottas's career have to gain or lose Whoa, from yeah. George Russell winning that race? Right. Mixing up tires. Have you heard any team mess up tires, let alone Mercedes? They were stacked. Yeah. Even with stacked pit stops, that, that, that hasn't happened. Never seen the team do so it. So we got Toto in the back. She's like, don't let him get the right tires. And he overcame it. And then it's the freaking flat amazing. tire. And then he had a slow puncture. George didn't even and know he had a slow puncture. You, you can't see me because I'm. we're podcasting. At this moment, Michael is doing air quotes. Slow puncture. Slow leaking puncture. Which we never saw. Which now, no evidence of this slow puncture. Right. Bring him back in, change a set of tires, and Sergio Perez wins the race. Is that the race that Sergio won? I believe that was the race. And Russell was like second or third, right? Yeah. At this moment, Michael is going into a deep trance, <laughs> eyes rolled back, searching in his deep memory banks. It was, okay, Sergio Perez won. <laughs> yeah. That was the race he won, George Russell. So that's my theory. I think that they had to protect Lewis and his reputation. Everyone always says it's the car. It's not the yeah. driver, it's the car. Which, how do you make Valtteri look worse? I honestly think that that was a huge, huge reason why George is in the seat this now over Valtteri Bottas. Yeah. And his contract had been negotiated for the following season. Prior to that happening, Valtteri had already guaranteed himself a seat for the next season at Mercedes. Oh, understood, understood. And then this exchange happens. It's unprecedented that George would get into the car and be so competitive out of the gate. Yeah. There's so many things to unpack from that race alone that Sergio ended up winning. Yeah. But my theory is there was no other option. And that Mercedes had to pull the plug. Uh, they couldn't oh, let him win. Oh, understood. Yikes. But going back, that was the same season Nico Holkenberg jumped in randomly to the Force India team car, right? True, yeah. And then did pretty well. Was fighting all the way in the top of the midfield. And it was amazing. Great. We all know he's just a great driver. He qualified great. It yeah. was at Silverstone. And then they made a they made a pit stop error. They ran some bad strategy and he ended up not finishing even it's like in the, the king points. of bad luck. He really is. But it would be it'd be fun to make another Hulken back. Bring him into the Haas. We're bringing Hulken back. <laughs> yeah. If there's any way we're going out for points, it's with Hulkenberg. I would love to get some points with Hulkenberg. I'm bringing we could do we could do that, man. That'd be easy. Take her to the bridge, <gasps> pretty Romo. <laughs> we could do that. We could, do we that. could start an acapella group. <laughs> we could do that. 
We could do what we just did. Don't don't put me down for cardio. Pitch perfect line. I'm sorry. I ruined it. <sighs> never I ruined seen it. I've never seen it. What? Yeah, Which is I'm why I don't get Anna Kendrick. I just don't get uh, it yet. During the time that it was coming out, we were doing Best Friends podcast, and lots of episodes were dedicated to making fun of that movie <laughs> and fun of acapella. Do group. you know how much Max and I hate acapella groups? <laughs> I really hate it too. Don't Do you, worry. Okay. I d- Do you know how much we all hate acapella groups? Yeah, I hate it. Dear listener, it runs deep. We had a competition and the loser had to go see... Pentatonics had to go see Pentatonics at UVU <laughs> and Sam lost and he had to go and interview people at the concert. <laughs> oh. <laughs> he said it. He hated it. That oh. sounds terrible. So yeah, we haven't seen Pitch Perfect. Okay, so that movie does a good job of avoiding everything that's wrong with like with acapella groups. It makes fun of it. Oh, that's really? what we've heard, but you still have to listen to acapella music. That's true, but only for small <laughs> small pockets. So can we schedule our live watch party of Pitch Perfect with, with the Haas Boys now or later? <laughs> Yeah. If you could reference as many Pitch Perfect jokes as possible so with Carp Parker, I can just stare at you blankly. Yeah. <sighs> Go ahead. So check the calendar. In the next three or four years, we'll do a, we'll do a Pitch Perfect <laughs> watch party years. with the Haas Boys. <laughs> <laughs> Part of a growing body of work. Uh, we've got brand new livery. Russian colors are off the car. We have an open seat. Chance of Nico Hulkenberg getting in that seat. This year, we're out for points, boys. A lot of changes in Haas. And a lot of changes in Haas. The next couple of weeks will be very interesting to see what is coming out of the Haas team and see what changes they make, what decisions are made. Um, And hopefully, it's all good news. Yeah. Obviously, hearts go out to everybody involved. It's uh, almost hate to talk about this sort of thing and be excited, but there are some exciting changes happening inside Haas F1 team, which obviously we care deeply about. And the resolve of like Gunter and Gene Haas to just keep pushing through. Yeah. I love their mentality. Love yeah. their like grit. Yeah. And there's just a feeling that, yeah, we're all out for points. Who do you want to hang out with? Gene and Gunter or Bonotto? <laughs> this is a very easy one to answer. It's Gunter all day long. I, just want, I want yeah. Gunter to know me well enough yeah. that he can make Roman Grosjean jokes about me. <laughs> We want to know more about or, Roman yeah, Grosjean want, through G, through <laughs> Gunter. Speaking of Maman, Maman, Roman Grosjean. Fifth place in IndyCar today. What is going on with Roman Grosjean and IndyCar? He's amazing. I, they did a poll. Vote for the most popular driver. Who's your favorite? Roman crushed it by a, actually a big margin, too. Large margin. Incredible. When did Roman become a hero? <laughs> <laughs> Look at his Instagram. When did this guy become a hero? <laughs> The weirdest, yeah. nerdiest guy. If any of our listeners can go back through <laughs> Roman's Instagram oh. and get, take a screenshot of the moment he went from being... Was it, it wasn't the <laughs> baptism by fire, became, rising out of the fire like a phoenix to become the best it, it, IndyCar it absolutely driver. was. I mean, that's pretty heroic. It was. Actually, you know, I have the really amazing story about that. My wife and I have had a couple of kids. When we had our most recent one, we were scheduled. There's some complications there where you got to like have it on a certain time frame or whatever. It's actually a really nice thing when you can schedule the birth and you just know. I'm like, oh yeah, that's the day we're going to come home with a new kid. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. So anyways, we had the time date set and it just so happened to be the morning because here in the America of the Secure Grand Prix. So I wake up, I'm getting ready, helping my wife get all of our stuff ready to go to the hospital. And because I can't like angle a TV or anything like that while I'm watching, you know, getting ready, I pull out my phone and I dial up the F1 race on an app and I set it on the bathroom counter. And 
I'm watching it while I'm getting ready. So I finally got like my clothes on and everything and I'm brushing my teeth. I'm standing there at the kitchen or sorry, standing there at the bathroom sink and I'm looking at my phone and lights out and away we go. While you're getting out the door. While we're trying to get to the hospital on time for, and uh, sure enough, Roman and uh, Daniel Kaviat come together and Roman goes through the barrier, big burst of flames. And I literally, <laughs> toothbrush in hand, <laughs> froze completely and looked at my wife and I just sat the toothbrush down and I'm like, I, I don't know who it was, but I'm pretty sure someone just died. And Laurel looked at me, my wife. Yeah. I'll let me say that again. <laughs> and my wife looks at me. <laughs> Laurel, and, my second wife. Yeah. <laughs> and my wife looks at me yeah. and she's like, what? What?" And I'm like, uh, I've never seen an F1 car do that, yeah. ever. It just burst into flames. Mm-hmm. And she she comes over, she looks at my phone, and she goes, whoa, that's so crazy. Anyways, I'm trying to process what I just saw while I'm finishing getting ready and helping us get out the door. Mm-hmm. Everybody was freaking, and they quit showing it, too. They quit showing the wreck. Obviously, they're trying to kind of, yeah, pull the curtain over this yeah, yeah. in case someone had suffered a, a fatal accident. And uh, obviously, as we know, as the story goes, he was in the flames for, what is it, like over 30 seconds or something. It's or, like 40 seconds or something. Yeah, 40, something, something like 47 like seconds of, of being in the flames. And emerged was okay, and I remember, like, I had to see that. Yeah. For my sanity, I had to see this. I'm like, I, I know we're having a child. <laughs> just one second, just a big one second finger in the sky. <laughs> and, and Motorsport was around before you were. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> we will have a child today. And that's why your beautiful baby girl is named Grosjean now. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's uh, you know, she came to this world on a beautiful day. No, she's not named Grosjean. Holy so, cow, came out speaking French. Girl. Gorgeous name, Roman. Her name is Roman Haas Grosjean. Oh, wow. <laughs> Just Rolls kidding. off the tongue. Yeah, but, Teachers uh, hate her. This is the icing on the cake. As we're pulling into the parking lot of the hospital, my wife's phone rings. She doesn't recognize the number. But it's Roman Grosjean. <laughs> Not, quite. She says, she says, Not quite. She says, Laurel, I survived. <laughs> name your baby after me. He's Spanish in this say. story. <laughs> It was actually just me calling her from the back of the car and yeah. pretending to be Roman. Yeah. No, so so we get a phone call. We're pulling into the parking and we get the phone call. My wife picks it up because it's a local number and she says, hello. And she goes, hi, this is the nurse at the hospital. Are you still planning on having a baby today? We're just a little late. Yeah. Just a little late. And so, yes, to answer the question that everyone is wondering, Roman Grosjean made me late for the birth of my child. Yes! Now he's the most popular IndyCar driver. He is. He is, and I think it's it's deserved in some some in one way or another. Uh, what a badge of honor he wears without even knowing. <laughs> Grosjean joined the Andretti team this year. So he went from a smaller IndyCar team to the big time this mm. year. So first race, fifth place finish, not bad at all. Scott McLaughlin from New Zealand won the race today, and did a shoey tribute to Daniel Ricardo for his win, so which cool. was really awesome. And uh, anyways, yeah, as a side, John, I just think uh, IndyCar has seen a lot of really cool things, but uh, hats off to Romain and obviously Scott McLaughlin. It was really cool. Fifth place. Dopest dope I ever smoked. Not bad. Any thoughts? <laughs> this is very quiet, Tell us Max. what you know about IndyCar, Max. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> nothing. Isn't it exactly the same? 
shifting gears, that actually brings us right into our listener question, which is coming from Sam. Thank you so much for the question, Sam. Do you want to read that to us, Max? Oh, yeah. The question is, what is the difference between NASCAR and Formula One? I like these questions because as a new person into the motorsport world, I had these questions coming in and we have people like Sam writing in asking these things. And luckily, I think we have some answers. Mike, is there a difference between Formula One and NASCAR? Yeah, it's everything. <laughs> it's literally everything. The only similarity, four tires. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Let's see. where. How abstract can we start? <laughs> when a mommy and a daddy love each other very much. <laughs> Uh, what, yeah, what kind of history are we looking at uh, right so here? I always assume NASCAR goes around in a circle. Correct. Do they ever not go in a circle? They do have road courses. They don't have a street circuit, Okay. but they do run road courses. Major differences are a open wheel single seater race car for Formula One. Open wheel. Meaning that there is no covering over the arches. There's no fenders. Like my normal car is not open wheel. Correct. Okay. So an open wheel car would mean that your tire is fully exposed to the elements. Notable open car production cars, the Prowler. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Do you know that car? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Plymouth Prowler. The Plymouth Prowler. I had, is I had a poster. Machine hey, hold it. You really need to. Made. You need to slow your roll. <laughs> a lot like the Plymouth Prowler. I had a. I had. Did a, you call it a Plymouth Prowler? The Plymouth Prowler. A Plymouth Prowler. <laughs> I had a poster of a purple <laughs> hold on i'm gonna remove my pop filter for this one i had a poster of a purple plymouth prowler on my bedroom wall my entire childhood cool i think they're cool yeah if i didn't love it as a kid would i look at it with deep scorn yeah but they're pretty cool and it's one of the only open wheel cars and my gosh isn't that like totally illegal for a production car to have open wheel these days yeah for sure oh dang it's a very it's a super unique car very uncommon and we could talk about open wheel versus closed wheel a lot i know when max and i went to see the monza grand prix last year they had a couple of series before the formula one race that's how these races go usually everybody shows up they have a day full of racing which is capped off by the formula one race and we had the mobile one grand prix which was Porsches. Mm -hmm. And they were all, obviously, they're Porsches, all mm -hmm. closed wheels. And they were bumping and grinding. It was a completely different racing mm -hmm. dynamic than it is for F1, where they have to really tiptoe around each other. Funny that that was the day True. that Max and Lewis came together on their two wheels. That would not yeah. have happened. Max would not have ended up on top of Lewis Hamilton if they were closed wheels. It's true. It's because they were open wheels. So that's one huge difference, right? One major difference. Is, so yeah. like the closed wheel aspect, NASCAR, they do bump into each other a lot. Is it because of that closed body that allows them to do that? Yeah, and I think their newest car that they've just introduced this season seems to be even tougher than the last year car um, and the one that they've been running for the last five, six years. Hmm. The ability to be able to use the nose of the car against the bumper um, has always been something they've reinforced for running super speedways for running short tracks where the nose of the car is a really aggressive way 
to notify the driver in front of you that he's not going fast enough. <laughs> they're doing like high speed bumper cars. A lot, yeah. Um, and how fast are they going? Are they going as fast as Formula One? Which one's faster? Definitely not as fast. Again, is a uh, an interesting reference to NASCAR in a bygone era versus the newest car. NASCAR's technology has always been very slow to advance because that mm. was part of the sport's charm. But as that hasn't panned out in viewership or a lot of, we'll say negatives in, in the way that the sport has progressed, they've decided with this most recent iteration to kind of up the ante and yeah. they have a sequential gearbox, a transaxle, fully independent suspension. Mm. The car is a completely different design and build to match more of what the production cars look like. And But to your point, way more durable, built as a lot more solid of a car mm-hmm. than an F1 car. They're, when you get the F1 cars on a track like Monza or Monaco, it's like putting a bull in a china shop. Mm-hmm. These things have to be so delicate, but they're going 200 miles an hour. Yeah. You bump a guy the wrong way <laughs> and they're done. Done for the day. I also hear the, when you first get into F1, I watched a lot of interviews and you hear that an F1 car is built with aerodynamics so powerful that like it could drive upside down in a tunnel if it had to. Right. Because it's no. just built to suck it to the ground so hard i've never thought of that but it makes total sense wow and then you look at nascars and they just look like to me like giant camrys (laughs) yeah yeah try putting one of those in upside down in a tunnel and it would just fall to its roof or or the one that dan daniel ricardo drove in texas it was like a truck like it looked like an el camino yeah there's an old monte carlo these cars are just they're just cars. <laughs> They're just <laughs> yeah. cars. Yeah. And the NASCAR, you know, the, again, they've developed something that is a tube chassis. It is a race car for safety reasons, mm-hmm. but it is substantially more durable. You can be so much more aggressive with it. Slam doors. It's a completely different style of racing. And how many people are on the track? And Double. So we've covered kind of shape of the car. We've right. covered build of the car. How do the races themselves differ from F1? First of all, the track layouts are, or at least the calendar is made up mostly of ovals, which is the traditional what to what you expect of NASCAR. You get a lot of flack for that. Yeah, and a lot of people don't really tend to understand that part of the sport, mm-hmm. but it is an art all in itself. Mm. And it seems very boring to me as a, like a newcomer. I look at F1 and it's just crazy tracks. Hairpin turns, straightaways into right-angled turns. This is exciting. How could an oval be exciting? And I think that that comes down to a lot of the what you know and and what type of engineering and some of those things are really what make that interesting. Mm. So everyone shows up at the track with their best guess of how to run around the oval as fast as they can. And then it comes down to who makes the best adjustments. Just different strategy. Like it's It seems like it's a whole different sport. It is, for sure. And running the ovals is it is down to air pressure, what spring rate you're running, what ride height you've chosen, and how that, again, plays into the hands of each driver's feel. If a driver's more comfortable with a car that's slippery versus, you know, something that's really stuck to the ground. So all of those factors play into how oval racing shakes out. Mm. And it can be really entertaining to watch, but again, you, you kind of have to know what you're looking for for it to be enjoyable. It's like baseball. Right. I think Formula One is easier to get into 
it because is. it is flashier. It's flashier. They look amazing. Yeah. Every single driver is like super good looking. They're in all these incredible look. There's so many, there's so much variety in the tracks. And yeah. like, I love motorsport generally. I just love the physics of like, how do you get somebody in a car to go as fast as they can and go faster than the next guy? It's really interesting. But as far as like just watching something for fun, mindlessly, mm-hmm. F1, in my opinion, is like, really really thrilling but i can totally understand if you knew everything that you know mike about what has happened in the history of nascar how they got to this point i can absolutely see that it would be just as interesting as f1 would you agree yeah and i think that there was there was an era where this sport was the most successful and that it's ever been and it came down to rivalry and i think that that does play a big role in the success of the sports and it's how clear that story is being told and between dale earnhardt senior and jeff gordon was one of the greatest sporting rivalries Hmm. in history for those that don't know can you give us just a super quick cliff notes on that i mean it was about as picturesque as you could imagine you have the old school southern man big mustache what period was this this was in the in the early 90s and it lasted up until the early 2000s but Dale Sr. was a, you know, from North Carolina, race car driving. Uh, the blue and yellow car that Daniel Ricardo ran in Texas that mm-hmm. was a NASCAR was Dale's car. It was mm-hmm. one of his cars. And Ricardo is a huge Dale Earnhardt fan. But there, this rivalry was so divided among the fans that it was, it was a clear line. You were a Dale Earnhardt fan or you were a Jeff Gordon fan. And Dale had won many championships, was climbing his way to being Richard Petty's status, was seven. And Jeff Gordon, newcomer, he comes in dominating, kicking butt, winning ton of races. But Jeff Gordon, you know, he came in with a rainbow car. He was from California, lives part of his life in Indiana, not cut from the same cloth as Mm. Dale Earnhardt. To make matters even better for just just being able to picture this, Dale Earnhardt ran a black, all black car with the white three on the side. I mean. And Jeff Gordon comes in with a rainbow <laughs> and a 24 and is a number that has no association to anything and it seems like a random large number and starts to kind of kick butt. And it bugged Dale Sr. <laughs> visibly how much this random kid from California was taking wins from him. Wow. And so anyways, the rivalry within the sport made it just burst because there was such a divided line between the Intimidator, which is what they called Dale Earnhardt Sr., <laughs> and the Rainbow Warrior, Jeff Gordon. Huh. <laughs> and it sold merch like you wouldn't believe both I mean, those guys made a killing <laughs> how many times as a non-fan did i see these guys on cereal boxes right yeah. like knew their names Heroes. because of their merch yeah. legends because yeah. of just their differences in personality yeah one guy just represented everything that nascar was and one guy represented everything that nascar was going to be Ooh. Ooh. It was a very transitional period for commercialism wow. in the sport. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> I think uh, that's that's something that F1 has a little bit starting to see now. Yeah, yeah with Haas. With Haas. Haas is the new and bad the boy. world. Haas versus the, the world. world. <laughs> <laughs> They're the new bad boy that's going to show F1 what it's going to be. But yeah. I think that that's, that's part of your Verstappen, your Lewis Hamilton, right? Yeah, yeah. You start to get these really good rivalries brewing and it's great for the sport but to talk again you know similarities and differences nascar circuits are mostly ovals they do run road courses yeah 
they're a closed wheel car and their technology isn't in trying to run as fast as they can but to run a driver versus driver contest mostly how does indycar differ from those two because we've mentioned it a bunch roman grosjean drives for indycar how is that different so i know that we've talked about this a little bit in previous episodes as well but indycar and formula one have run on the same circuits in the last couple years and at coda an indycar is 11 seconds slower than a formula one car okay but in per lap and they're similar uh, yeah. looking cars. That is a lot of time. In racing, it's an eternity. They're similar looking cars. They look pretty much the same. Open wheel concept. Smaller though, right? Mono. Right. Monocoque. Yeah. And a twin turbo V6, but I don't believe, I don't think there's a hybrid system. I but 11 seconds slower. To say what I am certain about. The cost difference is enormous. An Indy car is somewhere in the realm of $200,000. No kidding. Total. And a Formula One car is a few million. And so, you know, again, a, a simple answer as well and a difference there is that Formula One can run an entire Grand Prix on one tank of gas because of the hybrid system. And IndyCar has to refuel sometimes up to five times oh my a gosh. race. Oh, are they running similar lengths? Yeah. Wow, that seems like a lot. Back to NASCAR, are they are they refueling? Every pit stop, yeah. Oh, Every wow. pit stop. I did see, that reminds me, I did see a video of a pit stop fire. Oh, yeah. That the, I guess the fuel is so high grade that it's essentially almost invisible and okay. it's super, has a lot of fumes or what is that? Did you know that that is the Ricky Bobby joke? That's how they came up with it for Talladega Nights when he's, I'm on fire. He's I like actually, stripped down to his underwear running around the it's track. because the fuel burns so efficiently that you actually can't see the fire which is super nuts and is and is that still true because i know they had that one super bad accident right uh, you can see the video online of basically it looks like they're crazy no. people it's one of the craziest things i've seen which is a lot to say but i mean that a uh, car pulls in pit crew hops out they're working 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 dude with the hose over his shoulder comes down plugs it down and then all in unison Everybody just starts freaking out. They're running like they're around being, like, like they're crazy. being attacked by bees. Oh, wow. And the guy's like getting out of the car, knowing how hot it burns. Those guys are burning. Those guys are just feeling that heat and trying to get out. And the hose was just pouring out fuel liquid oh into gosh. the car and was lit up. But you can't see a single thing. Pretty crazy. So that's where the Ricky Bobby yeah. joke came from was that it's like this video is laughable now oh. because you can find it online. You can watch it. They uh, look like they're, like you said. Being attacked by bees. Yeah, it's like, my, the bees are back. Yeah. And they're running around Get like the crazy. shotgun, the bees are back. Yeah, exactly. But they're actually on fire. Anyway, the refueling has, they've done away with it in F1 for a couple of reasons, but a big one being that they wanted to prove that advancement. Oh, the, the hybrid advancement. Right, that they could run an entire length of a race on one tank. It's pretty cool. That is really cool. And that all these other sports and all their disciplines have to refuel. And so that was a huge advancement for Formula One. I was going to say, when I learned about what IndyCar kind of was, it's a similar kind of style to an F1 car. I thought, oh, like in the off season of F1, if I need to scratch that itch, IndyCar is kind of running now. And it would be easy to go to an IndyCar race. Formula One races 
are hard to get to in other countries. But if you want to scratch that itch, if you want to see some cars go real fast, go to an IndyCar race. They're probably close to wherever you are. Yeah. And they have interesting rules that that mimic some of the Formula One where DRS within a certain range is available that you open the wing and you get that extra drag reduction down the straight and it helps you pass. In IndyCar, they have a push-to-pass button, which activates more horsepower out of the engine. Just like eating a mushroom in Mario Kart. <laughs> yeah. Is that where they got it? Uh, probably. <laughs> yeah, I'd have good. to ask, but I don't know. You don't know? I don't. You, know, you I don't can't, know that, I can't Mike. say for sure. Who's to say, Mike? Who's Finally, say? something Mike doesn't know. I don't actually Maybe know. Max and I should have our own podcast. You probably should. Called Mario Kart Tech. The way that Nintendo has influenced the motorsport world. Look who's going to get the listeners now. This is an interesting switch. Amazing. Thanks so much for the question. And so if you were to sum up the difference between F1 and NASCAR in just a couple sentences, what would it be? I think the major differences are the goals. So Formula Formula One is so Formula One's major goal is furthering the progression of the road car. They develop an advanced technology that can trickle down into the companies that are participating okay. and further the advancements of the road car. Uh, but that technological advancement also affects other industries as well. But it's a justification that they find in being able to develop as far as they have. And so I think Formula One's major goal in in my eyes is to be able to further technology into the next level. Okay. NASCAR's goal is a driver's competition. Yeah. (laughs) Have a beer and watch the race. Yeah. Sit down and enjoy and, and be entertained. And I think that ultimately it's the goal of both of them to do that. Yeah. But I think NASCAR is more centered around how equal of a playing field we can create to have a different result every week. Well, amazing. Thank you so much for the question, Sam. Uh, be sure, everybody, to send in your questions to doshossboys at gmail.com. Also find us on Instagram at hoss.boys. Send your comments, follow us. Send in your questions there. Coming up, we just wrapped up our Barcelona preseason testing. Coming up on the 10th of March, we will be starting the Bahrain preseason testing and a lot of interesting stuff coming up. So stay tuned. Bye. Bye. Podcast. We can start an acapella group. <laughs>